Okay, so let's begin Parshas Pinchas. This year is dedicated to my Zayda, Rav Dayak to be a Liel Nishmasoy. And we always begin our Parsha with uh, a little bit of a summary. So let's quickly go through a summary of the Parsha. Parshas Pinchas starts off, of course, with the kina of Pinchas, the jealousy that he avenged Akash Baruch's Nakama on the Avedizara of Baal Pa'or. And Akash Baruch who tells him, you're going to be Zaycha to the Bris Shalom and to be a Kayin forever. Pinchas becomes Elio Hanavi, who lives on forever. And we then go into the names of the people in Klai Yisrael. Akash Baruch says, count them up because you're going to wage war against Midian very soon. And the number actually comes out to be 1,820 less than the original number of 603,550. So there's a little bit less. You didn't, well, they just had a plague of 24,000 people dying out. So there's a little bit less, but we still have over the 600,000 mark that we're always supposed to have. Afterwards, we go into Akash Baruch saying that to these people that are being counted, they're the ones that are going to be getting our Yisrael. And Elazar Koyin goes and he makes a goyrol and each... Nasi goes over and picks the name of his Shevet and also the property, the boundaries that he's going to be getting. And then Shevet Levi is counted as well. But nice Tzlavgad come forward. Five daughters of Tzlavgad. They all come forward and they said, my fa- father doesn't have a son. What's going to be with us? And HaKadosh Baruch who tells Moshe Benu, they're right. They deserve a chilek in Eretz Yisrael. Um, and then HaKadosh Baruch who tells Moshe Rabbeinu, it's time for you to go up Haro Avarim. Look at Eretz Yisrael because you're not going to go in there. So go look at Eretz Yisrael. And when Moshe Rabbeinu realizes he's not going in and Hashem is not giving in to him, then Moshe Rabbeinu makes a prayer for himself. He's hoping that his own children will take him over. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, no, it's going to be Yeshua Benun. He's going to take you over. Moshe Rabbeinu's prayer that Hashem should appoint somebody who has a person who has Ruach to go and understand and tolerate the spirit of every single Yid is fulfilled with Yeshua. He puts his hands, he gives over this nevuah, this influence, this kedusha to Yeshua Benon. Right after that comes the parsha of the Karbanais Musaf. We start with the daily Karban Tamid. We then go into the Musaf of Shabbos, Rishchidosh, Pesach, Shavuos, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot. And finally, Shemini Atzeres, which... We, we, you know, we go down in the number of carbonis from the beginning of Sukkot to the end of Sukkot. Shemini Atzeres, there's only one carbon representing Klai Yisrael. And then there's one last interesting grand finale of the parsha that the Pasuk says, Moshe Rabbeinu spoke these words to the Bnei Yisrael. And uh, Rashi says an interesting thing there, that if we wouldn't have said this, you might have thought that uh, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't say this to Klai Yisrael. I'm just uh, putting everybody on mute. So we, we were concerned that if the Pasuk didn't say that Moshe said this to Bnei Israel, we would think that all of these words are the words of Hashem and all of his instructions on how to do Karbanis, but Moshe never gave it over. Big Tzarekhi, and I'm not sure why. We would think that. But let's go and start begin the actual uh, papers. So Pinchas is given credit for Bekanoi Eskinasi. To, for avenging Hashem's revenge upon Klai Yisrael and not allowing Hashem's anger to continue forth. There's a Mayur de Gamaisa, there was a year that went off the Derek after the Holocaust, and uh, he was very close to his Rebbe when he was a young boy during the Holocaust. And his Rebbe came to him in a dream, and his, I forgot which Rebbe it was, I heard the story from the Mashkiach, who's a Litvak, by the way. 
and the Mashkiach told me this nicer, that the Rebbe came to him to his dream and he says, I know why you're not keeping the Mitzvah, because of the Holocaust, you can't imagine, you don't understand how it's shy that the Baruch should have done it. I'm just coming down from Shemayim, even though it's very painful for Neshama to come from Shemayim and to attend to things down here on earth. I'm informing you that the Holocaust and all of the Mesim of the Holocaust was the result of all the Yidin that should have, could have, and would have died because of the Maisa of the Benois Midyan and the Baal Pa'ar. So we don't understand these things. We have no idea what these things mean, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu has, has kavanis that are way beyond us, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu says that somehow there's a connection. Pimchis stopped all of Glyso from being destroyed. But many, 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 many years later, the Gilgul and the sparks of Kedusha from these Heligayidin had some kind of taken through the Tsaris and an unfortunate death in the Holocaust. Now, the Nekomo was not on the Maisa's Nus. The Mepharshim say that Kleiso was tricked into this Nus and it was pretty much almost not at any fault of theirs. The fault was the Avodah of the Baal Pa'ar. What happened was, just at the moment of the greatest excitement, the woman from the Benayi Midyon would pull out a Getchkala and say, Pa'ar Lefanov, and do something disgraceful in front of this Avodah Zarah. And the Yidim thought it was a mitzvah. They're disgracing Avodah Zarah <laughs> to, to get undressed in front of it, to go to the bathroom in front of it, to expose themselves in front of this Avodah Zarah. What great a mitzvah it is. And truthfully, this was actually the way to serve the Baal Very strange Avodah Zarah. Sounds almost like what's going on nowadays. The more disgusting something is, the better. And they thought this is the way to serve it, and they did. They, they thought it was the way to disgrace it, and they did this. And it comes out for me, a Peladigazach, that you see from here, that even if the person is at the height of his greatest taiva, and it's impossible for him to stop from the desire, that he's not being faulted for, for this nus. But the fact that he could do Avodah Zorah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu got upset and there was no excuse, even though they were misasek, they didn't even realize what they were doing was serving. You see HaKadosh Baruch Hu has no patience, can we say that? HaKadosh Baruch Hu has no tolerance for Avodah Zorah, that's what it says in Nasser Sadibrois, that Kel Kana, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a very jealous God. Now jealousy normally we understand to mean that you want something that somebody else has. But that's not true. Kinnah usually means that you don't want somebody else to have something. That's Kinnah. And that's the word. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there's nothing Hashem could have. You can't give God anything. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a Kel Kana that when you have compassion, when you have tremendous love, and love, by the way, Ahavas Hashem does not mean to like Hashem, to adore Hashem, to respect Hashem. Ahava means a burning passion. And the same thing the other way. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has such a tremendous Ahava towards Klai as well. HaKadosh Baruch Hu won't allow us to go away like a woman who strays from her husband to go away to another husband. The, the, the HaKadosh Baruch Hu, even if it's a misasik, even if we could have said perhaps that we're not at fault, there's no patience for Avodah Zorah. The Zayar says that any love, any love that does not come with it, this feeling of standing up for the covenant of Hashem, is love rechimuse rechimusa. The person's love is not a true love. It means a person could have a relationship with his family member. If somebody else could insult the family member, somebody else could put them down, beat them up, and you stand idly by, for you to claim that you love them is a farce, it's false, and it's not true. 
Because love doesn't mean like. Love doesn't mean appreciate. Love is a burning sensation in the heart and you can't stand for somebody to go and do something against the one you love. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu can't stand and this was Pinchas and that's why he was Zaycha to the Brisi Shalim of peace. What Shalim? He went and he killed somebody. But that shows that he had a complete attachment to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's Ahavas Hashem with a tremendous passion. Let's move on. The Medrash says, Dinhu Sheyit al it's appropriate for Pinchas to get his reward now, down here, on earth. Big problem, we always say, Schar mitzvah b'hai amalek. HaKadosh Baruch does not reward tzaddikim in this world for the misses that they do. We could get payris b'ilamazeh, we could get dividends, but we don't get reward. How could the Midrash say on Pinchas that it was higiyaz man, dinoi sheyit al-skharoi? So there's a beautiful chat, number one from the Chesam Soifer. He says that the reason why normally tzaddikim don't get their schar until I'm above, because we have a din in Allah, and that is aimless If you hire somebody to do a job, you only owe them at the completion of the job. While they're still doing it, even if they're paid by hour, while they're still doing it, the chayv, it's only indebted when he completes the job that he's supposed to be doing. Says the Ghazam Saifer, a tzaddik, a good yid is never finished. Even if he does a mitzvah, he can't wait to do it again. And he's never mafsik because his mind is always consumed by a Kaddish Baruch Hu. He wants more and more. He did tzedakah, he's waiting for the next Adi to come along. He learned Torah, he can't wait for the next time he can learn Torah. We never really finish our job. And therefore, a Kaddish Baruch Hu can't pay us mm-hmm. till we're done, which is when a person is nifter. However, when it comes to kinas Hashem, avenging the Kvayt Hashem, can any tzaddik say, oh, I hope somebody insults God again so that I could go and kill him? People that are like that are not doing kinas Hashem. There are some people that are like that. They want some excitement. They can't wait to go and attack someone, scream someone, put somebody down. That's not kinas Hashem. Like we said, you really love HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You don't want this to happen again. And therefore, Pinchas was done with this job of Kinas Hashem, and therefore it was Higiyaz Manoi that he should talk to get paid, even by Lamazah. However, a Rasha says the Chazam Zayv is the opposite way. A Rasha, when he does something, I'm done. He doesn't want it to come up again. He's done, he's finished, it's over with. And therefore, Russia could get paid for his mitzvahs. We feel bad for him when that happens, but it's possible for Russia to get paid. There's another reason also why Pinchas was able to be Zaycha, to get paid in this world, to become a Kayim, and that is because the Medrash tells us that Pinchas actually died. His neshama departed from him. He was so terrified and filled with fright when this happened, he came out of the tent of Cosby and Zimri, and he sees all the shvatim they are about to kill him. He literally died. His neshama departed. He almost crumpled on the floor when suddenly the souls of Nadav and Aviyu went into him. And that gave him back his life. And since he died, it was considered time for him to get paid. And that's also because Nadav Aviyu went into him, Therefore, he was Zaycha to become a Kayin because he became that Kayin. Okay, let's go up to Zavaita. We say that Cosby Basur was the daughter of Rosh Umais. Pasik Tesvav. Shame Lee Shamukha Midianus Cosby Basur. Rosh Umais based up in Midianu. She was the daughter of the head of all of the kings of the neighboring area. Her father was the greatest one, Rashi says. He was the greatest. Not only that, when 
he sent her out to the Bnei Yisrael. He said, don't give in to just a nobody. Make sure you get the top guy. She was sent with a mission to bring the downfall of Moshe Rabbeinu himself. That was her mission. But uh, she comes and comes along Zimri and he says, uh, why don't you join me? She says, no, 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 I got clear instructions from my father to only go for the top guy. I'm going for the top tomato. I'm not going for anything less. And Zimri told her, I am the top guy. Moses from Shevet Levi, that's the third son of Yaakov. I'm from Shevet Shimon. I'm ahead of him. Not only that, there's an unbelievable Targum Yedisman Uziel at the end of last week's parish. It says everybody was crying. All the Zikanim were crying by the oil Moed when Zimri came together with Cosby. The Targum Yedisman Uziel. They were crying and they were standing and saying Shema by the oil Moed. The Pirish of the Targum Yedisman Uziel says that Zimri purposefully brought Cosby when he knew it was Man Kriyashma. Because the minig was, they would say Shema by the oil mayim. They would say Hashem Echad, and they would all stand up. L'chvayt Hashem. They would stand up. And he came just as that moment. They were all saying Shema with cries and standing. And then he walked in with Cosby. And Cosby was like, wow, everyone's standing up for this guy. He must talk to me, the top chief over here. And therefore she went in with him. Okay, Abyssal Vaiter. The, the, they start counting the Shvatim. And it goes Ruvain, Shimon, and God. The Chassam Seifer points out that throughout the uh, parishes, whenever we're counting them, we went with the order of the Degolim, with how Yidin traveled to the Midbar. Which was the first Degol that traveled to the Midbar? Shevet Yehuda. They were the first ones. And yet in this count, we're counting Ruvain, Shimon, and God first. Why are we counting Ruvain, Shimon, and God? Because after the death, of all the people of Ruvain, the 250 people. And after the death of the 24,000 people of Shimon. And Shevet God was their neighbor, part of their encampment. When they all saw that death, they all realized what they did wrong. They became Bali Tshuva. And they take the front row over here in this count because right now they were Bali Tshuva and it put them ahead of even Shevet Yehuda. Agav there's a Moyotik of Saskar that says every single month is represented by one of the Shvatim. And he says that it goes by the Degolim. So Nisan, Iyar, and Sivan is camp of Yehuda and his people. Tabos this month of and Elul is Ruvain, Shimon, and God. And listen to this. He says, that's why in Tammuz was the Moraglim. They used their eyes to spy. That's Reuven, the Kayak of Re'iyah. And that's what we're shown. We have temptations in the summer for the Yetzirah and the opportunity for Shemirah in the summer. Reuven, look at Klai Yisrael. Reu. And then comes, the next is Av, that's Shimon, because they came back on Tishabov and Klai Yisrael listened to the Lashon Hara, that's Shimon. And God is a good mazel, that's Elul, when we're finally bonding with HaKadosh Baruch again. Okay, anyway, Vaiter. Um, we start the names, and Rashi points out that all of the names get an extra Yud and an extra Hey. Except that they all start with a Hey. They start with a Hey and then with a Yud. It's a little bit out of order. It should be, let's say the first family is Chanoich. Instead of being Hachanoichi, shouldn't it be Yachanoichi? Why is there a hey first? In Hashem's name, it's Yud K. It's Ka, Eidus Yisrael. Yud K, not Hey Yud. Says the Chidah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is giving credit to the women of Klai Yisrael. And since a woman is created with a hey, and a man is created with a Yud, like Ish is with a Yud, and Isha is with a hey, 
since Hashem's with counting the Yidim, the Nashim Sidkaniyos, who were Mechavoy Saret, and they didn't die, and they're still in the original count, and they're still living through it. And they were also the ones that caused so many Yidim to come. And also, a very special credit, Rashi says, why is Hashem being made on Klaiso over here? Because the Goyim started making fun of the Yidim, that if the Mitzrayim was Shailet on the bodies of the Jews, isn't it all the more so culture game that they were Shailet on the women? And Hashem is being made in a no. The Nashim Sidkaniyos were so Tanua that the men didn't take an interest in them. There was no involvement because the Nashim Sidkaniyos, and to be made on this is a beautiful word, like the Chida. There's a Gemara that says, a mamzer, a mamzer gets drowned. That's the punishment. A mamzer, how does a mamzer die? A mamzer drowns. Zog the Chida, this is why we find Moish Rabbeinu, whose father married his own aunt. So people could have said, Moish Rabbeinu, Aliba, the Torah, when Torah is given, you know, uh, marrying your aunt is a key of cars, you'd be a mamzer. And that's why Moish Rabbeinu was min shisu. Hashem said, no, no, no. He was put into water and he survived. Vice says he's not a mamzer. Klaisel's leaving Mitzrayim and people were downing them. How did Hashem make them leave Mitzrayim? Through the Amzav. How are they going through into Eretz Yisrael? Splitting the Arden. Couldn't they take boats? No, we're going to split the Arden. They're going to go into the water. The water's not shaking on them to show that Klaisel was Kedoshim and Tehirim. None of them were mamzerim. And this is one more point. And that is the fact that they were Shisha, Bekeres Echa. These women could testify to the Kedush of Italian Klaiso. Because the Gemara says that if Hashem doesn't like a mamzer, why is he allowed them to be born? And the Gemara answers, Hashem lets nature take its course. But vice versa, Hashem wouldn't make a nace for the survival of a mamzer. For Klaiso to be moiled, Shisha, Bekeres Echa, six children at a time, which is what built up the numbers of Klaiso so much as we're going into the counting, that's an aidously Israel that Klaiso with Kedoshim and Tahirim, and there was none of this uh, business, Chazushal. Okay, so one of the families over here is missing. Rashi says in Pasuk Yud Gimel, Lezerach Mishpachas Azarchi. Rashi says we're missing the family of Oyad. He actually says, Seven families are missing from the camp. They all disappeared. And Rashi says an amazing story that when Aaron HaKoyim died and the clouds of glory disappeared and Klaus was attacked, many Yidin ran back towards Mitzrayim. They rent back eight travels, eight encampments. They went back and Shevet Levi chased them down and killed them out. Can you imagine? And seven mishpachas got erased from Klai Yisrael, and that's why we're missing seven mishpachas. One from Shevet, <coughs> one from Shevet, Shimon, one from Shavit, um, sorry, one from Shavit Gud, and actually five from Shavit Binyamin. Okay, Raja then goes in when he says, Pasaklamavav, B'nai Shuselach, Aaron. Aaron was only one child of Shuselach. Shuselach only had one son, Aaron, and yet the Pasak says, B'nai. Raja says, because there were so many people in, in, from, coming out from Shuselach and Aaron that it was as if it was many children. And therefore it's counted almost as if it was two. And over there Rashi points out from Moshe Darshan that there were 57 families in Klaisol plus 8 from the Levium equaling 65. And HaKadosh Baruch is telling Klaisol Ki atem hama'at you are the smallest of all the nations. Later on, Akash Baruch says, Don't think Hashem chose Klaiso because we're the largest nations. Not from your great multitudes has Hashem chosen you because you are the smallest. Zagrashi, Hama'at, Heima'at, you're five less than the 70 Uma Yisraelim. There are 65 families in Klai Israel. We're five less. There's an unbelievable Zaya. When the Pasuk says, Loi not from your multitude, says Hashem chosen you, 
That sounds like we are multitudes. And we are a huge number. And we would have thought maybe Hashem chose us because we're such a big nation. And Hashem is saying, no, Hamaat. Zogda Zoyar. Klai Yisrael is the biggest nation in the world. Like the Pasik says, Hashem is not choosing us because we're the biggest, but because we make ourselves small and we're humble. But Zogda Zoyar, we are the largest nation in the world. And the reason why is because ever since Sancheirv and perhaps even before then, all the other nations of the world intermarried. And they all disappeared. There is no real valid pure DNA. Purebred Egyptian, purebred Roman, purebred Greek. They don't exist in the world. The only purebred nation that there is in the world is Klai Yisrael. So as a nation with its identity intact, it's just Klai Yisrael. And therefore we are the largest nation in the world. Okay? Weiter. Uh, <laughs> Listen to this. Pasuk Nun Tes. So it goes through the family of Levi, and it says, Amram, Bas Levi. The wife of Amram was Yecheved, the daughter of Levi. That was born to Levi in Mitzrayim. Amram was born to Levi. Okay. So Yecheved was born to Levi in Mitzrayim. Listen to this, Chida. He brings down. That the Pasik, now he has a gear, so we have a mapike in the word Isa. So the Pasik reads, the name of the wife of Amram was Yecheved, Bas Levi, who Ashayolda Isa Levi. Yecheved was born to Levi in Mitzrayim. But the word Isa is extra. It should just say Ashayolda Levi. She was born to Levi. Zagdachida. Isa is someone's name. The mother of Yecheved, the wife of Levi. Her name was Isa. So if anybody's looking for new names to name girls, guys, we got a new name. If Chagla Machla is not enough for you in this week's Baisha, we got a new name. Isa. Okay, for girls, we'll call it Ota. Okay? So there's a new name for a girl, Ota. And he says that's why it doesn't have a Mapike. In our gears, in our commotion, we have a Mapike on the word Isa. But he, had a, he said there's no Mapike. And also he says that it's Meduik in the Pasuk. The word Isa has a tavir which breaks up the truck. So you read the Pasuk to say as follows. And the, the name of the wife of Amram was Yecheved, Bas Levi, Ashel Yolda Isa, that Isa bore Lelevi b'Mitzrayim, to Levi in Mitzrayim. So here's a new name for everybody. Let's go weiter. Okay. Um, the B'nai Slavchad will come forward to Moshe and to Elazar and to the Zikanim and they stand before them with their Bakasha. So the Mepharshim speak about if they went to Moshe, Rashi says, if first they went to Moshe, then Elazar and then to the Nesim, <laughs> if not Moshe didn't know, then like nobody else knows. So Rashi says they all came together. Other Mepharshim say the Taka went first to the Nesim. The Nesim didn't have an answer. Then they went to Elazar. He didn't have an answer. Then they went to Moshe. And finally Moshe said, okay, let me talk to God. When the Sephardo says, if that's the case, then it just mentions Moshe over here first as a respect to Moshe. But really in Okanami, they went to the Messiah first, and then to Lazar, and then to Moshe Rabbeinu. Um, it says, they came to them, Pesach HaElmaid, Lamar, saying. Now, Lamar usually means to say to others. Now, if they're coming to Moshe, there's no reason for Lamar. Who is he saying to others? Um, when they stood in front of him, they were noshim tenuis tremendously. And even though they came because they're standing 
to bring their bakasha, they actually appointed somebody else to speak for them. So they told this middleman, they gave a shtar harsha, to give him uh, uh, rights in making the claim in Bezdin, and he was the one that would actually say it over to Moshe and, and the Bezdin. Okay, so they say, Avinu, a whole shtickle terovia from the Medrash, Avinu meizman midbar. There's a Medrash, and I don't have shot and this must be some kind of Kabbalistic, very deep thing. It says that the five daughters actually split up their statement before Moshe. And when as follows, daughter one said, Avinu meizman midbar. Next. He wasn't amongst the Kairach. Next. He died for his own sin for Kil Shabbos. Next. He didn't have any sons. Next. Why on earth they broke it up this way? I have no idea. I welcome everyone's answers. So anyway, that's the matter. It says they split up their taina into five different times. Just by the way, being that this is a Shir Elik Nishmas Maizedi, uh, I, I was just thinking to myself an interesting thing. My grandfather had five daughters. Noyach uh, Tzvi Ben, who had one son, Noyach Tzvi Ben is actually Gematria Tzlavchat. So, just a cute one for everybody. So, five daughters and one son. Noyach Tzvi Ben is Gematria Tzlavchat. Okay. Um, so, they say, why should our father's name be erased? So Akash Boko agrees, and Rashi says that really, this should have been instructed a long time ago. How the Nachla is going to work in Eretz Yisrael, who gets Yerusha, if there's no daughter's son, but Akash Boko brought it through the Bnei Slavchad. Why? Because they were Mechav they were Yer Shemayim, they, they deserved it. So the Rabbi Yenis and Ibishit says, you know why they deserved it? Tomorrow we're going to be reading after that says, what happens to someone who doesn't have children? It says, Kol Shemer Shabbos Mechal Eloi. HaKadosh Baruch says, Shem Oilam Loi Kares. I will give them a name forever. What's the Shem Oilam? Through the Torah, a person can be Zaychah to Shem Oilam. So being that Slavkod was Shemer Shabbos. Shemer Shabbos! He got killed for Chilol Shabbos. But why did he do the Chilol Shabbos? To teach Christ all a lesson about Shabbos. Ooh. So, it's funny. He broke Shabbos in order to safeguard the sanctity, the Kedusha, and the seriousness of Klaisha. And therefore, since he was Shomer, the Kedusha of Shabbos, he was Zeicha to shame Oilam through a parasha and the Torah being written through his daughters. Okay, right after this, HaKash Baruch Hu Tosmei go up to Haravarim. The Kliyakar says, why is it referred to as Haravarim? It was really Haravoy. This is where Moshe Benu actually was going to end up being buried. Says the Kliyakar, the Lashon Avar is the Lashon Ever, it's the Lashon of Anger. Just before the Blaise Slavkod, it says that they were being Mavir the Nachla. When somebody doesn't have sons, the Medra says Hashem's upset at the guy. He should have had sons. Why didn't he have sons? I guess it's within a person's ability, for the most part, to Davin, to be Marbus Chusim, whatever it is, to be Zaycha to a son. And when somebody doesn't have a son, he causes the Nachla to go to his daughter, and his daughter can marry Adam the Shevet, it messes up the Nachla, Hashem's upset. It's a lashon of Evra, Vizam, anger. And HaKadosh Baruch was also upset somewhat, says the Kliyakar, at Moshe Rabbeinu. And that's why Hashem referred to it as Haru Avarim. Literally means like the bridging mountain, because it was between uh, the Midbar and Eretz Yisrael. But he says it's a Lashon Evra as well, 
Because Moshe Rabbeinu was davening now that somebody should take him over and he was hoping it would be his sons and Hashem Kivayachu was saying I'm a bit upset about you that your own sons were in Zaika to be Mamali Mokai and that's what it says that you're going to die like you like Aaron like you wanted Rashi says you and this Ava to die a death like Aaron what was special about the death like of Aaron of course it was Misas Nashika but another thing is it doesn't say the word death on Aaron and the reason why is when somebody has a son that's mamali mokrim that totally fills in his father's shoes completely and perfectly, it's not considered death. That's why Yaakov Avinu mitasi shleima is considered like he didn't die. So to Aaron, in some way, it was not considered dead because he had a lazar to fill in his shoes. Abraham Moshe Rabbeinu wanted that too. He also wanted a son to totally fill in his shoes. That he wasn't zayka. But Hashem told Moshe, you'll also be Zaycha to Amisas Nashika. This desire that you had not to be considered like regular death, you're going to have that as well because your Torah is living on through all of Klai Yisrael and your Nisham is not going to depart with the Malachim Loves, rather through Amisas Nashika. We had mentioned that Pinchas became Leo. Now, here's an interesting thing. Leo is Teiku, Tishmi Yataris, Kushmi Zibayis. I saw an unbelievable thing. Um, from somebody explaining a Zayar, I forgot the person's name, the Russian Davis, Reish Mem Zion. I forgot uh, his name. But anyway, he says, You know why Tishbi Yatarich Kishbahis, you know, Elio Anavi is going to answer all our questions of Shmuel Mem Yes, this cash and Shir. How can he answer it? Turn Lambo Shemayami. How can Elio answer our questions? Zogma Ron or Shiva Satel? Elio can answer all our questions because he's going to be a big London. Not because Turn Bashemayim, but he's a big London. Listen to this. You know why Elio is going to be able to answer all the questions? Because he's the biggest mass mid. No one lived as long as Elio. He's been learning Torah longer than anybody else in the world. And since he's been living longer than anybody in the world, he'll know everything a lot better. And that's why he'll be able to answer all of our questions. Last night we just learned from the Sefer Kana Kema from the Mechia. He says, why is it Hashem left Elio and Chanoich alive? As opposed to many people who never sinned in their life, but they still died. Hashem left two people alive to testify that it's possible. Humankind was really supposed to live forever. And it's only due to complications that we don't. But really it's possible to live forever. And the Leor and Chanoich are made for this. Okay, Abyssal Vaiter. Moshe speaks to the Baruch and he asks him to appoint a person. And I ask him to appoint a person who's going to be a leader. Rashi says, a soivel. Someone who's going to be soivel, Kleisel. That's leadership. Leadership is someone who has tolerance. Someone who could bear. And it's unbelievable. When he takes Yeshua Benun, there are three ways that he takes Yeshua. The first thing he says is, Ashrecha that you're taking care of the banim of Akash Baruch Then he tells him, you're taking this job on the mass that you recognize that they're tarkonim this, tarkonim this tarkonim. They're going to try to always bother you and badger you. They're going to be a big headache, but you're taking the job anyway. And then finally again, it says, Vayikach took him, and he took him with words telling him the unbelievable schar of the Parnasi Tzibur of the leaders, which is La'asid, Lavoy. The reason why the scar for the leaders are lost in Lavoy is two reasons. Number one is, like we said earlier, the job never ends. If a leader ever says, okay, I'm on vacation, I'm turning off my phone, 
<laughs> Airplane mode, a leader's job never ends. He's paid in oil on a bus. Secondly, because the leader is such a mezakas harabim, there is nothing that he could be rewarded in oil for, because oil is limited, and his schar has dividends and ripple effect on all the people he was mezakas, and therefore HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I can only give him his reward in Olam Haba. One last piece. said, Hashem ish. Hashem to the point that ish. We have a Mishnah in Big Yavis says, But Markim Shein ish, ish. If there is no man, if there is no leader, be the man. Be the leader. What's Pshat? What's Pshat? Obviously, we're talking about somebody who is not a natural. He's obviously not the person sitting up there in the front seat. A big who knows what. And still we're telling him to be the leader. So one reason is, We're like sheep. And sheep need leaders. They naturally follow. And if you don't take the job, someone else will. And therefore, if you don't see anybody, then you should jump in. I heard a, a, a recording from Rabbi Waxman. He said, by his mitzvah, his grandfather came over to him. And his grandfather said, Nu, how do you feel about your bar mitzvah? And he said, I'm not happy. He said, why aren't you happy about your bar mitzvah? He said, because I'm being the sky of the mitzvahs. It's scary. It's a huge responsibility. So the grandfather said, when he got up to speak, There's an isra in the Torah that we're not allowed to be scared of people. Of bad guys. A bezdin's not allowed to be scared of a bad guy. When we go to war, we're not allowed to be scared of our enemies. So the Zayda of Rav Waxman said, Don't be scared of becoming a man. Of course there's responsibilities. Of course there's an achrayis. But you can't be scared of being a man. And It's very scary. So everybody should talk of being ish. We should all establish to be great, take the responsibility for others, and be savlonim with tolerance, with patience. We'll just end off. This is one of the chesbonis why Moshe Rabbeinu broke the Lukais going into Shavas Matamas, is because Akadosh Baruch Hu planned the first Lukais not to have the word toiv in it. Toiv Tamuz, Shavas Matamas is toiv, the 17. Toiv Tamuz is the 17th of Tamuz. Hashem did not write the word toiv by the midst of Kibbutz Ein. In the first Luchais, because he knew Moshe Rabbeinu would break them. Why was Moshe Rabbeinu breaking them? The Medrash says because Moshe knew by giving the Luchais to Klai Yisrael, he would be Machai of them. It would put them in a position where Hashem's going to want to destroy them for the Egel. There's so many more mitzvahs that Klai Yisrael is going to fail. Let me not give them the Luchais. They're not ready for it. And he broke them. So in order to save Klai Yisrael, he broke them. That was the Korban Beis Amigdash as well. Kaddish Baruch could destroy the Beis Amigdash to save Klai Yisrael. That was Valai Chilisi Asmei Yisrael. Kaddish Baruch who finished off his anger on Eitzim Avonim and not on Klai Yisrael. This is the hidden toiv in the three weeks and the Shiva Asmei Tamuz. And we have to recognize that Kaddish Baruch could destroy the Beis Amigdash for our own good to keep us around. Let's make the most of it. Everybody should be in this. Yes, a to everybody for joining.